talking about the promise keeper. Father is the promise keeper. He keeps his word. You know, we just went through a political cycle. Actually, we're still going through a political cycle. <laughs> and have you ever seen people so mad, so upset? I watched a movie uh, called The Admiral. It's a uh, Dutch movie uh, about, um, oh, the 1800s, I would say, whatever. And, uh, and, and uh, they were trying to set up a democracy, uh, but they had a king, and it was just a mess. And the people heard a rumor and just went crazy. And they started burning down buildings, and, and uh, uh, they hung, they, they pulled the magistrate out of his home, uh, stripped him down, put him on a pole, and just, you know, it was just terrible. It was just, it was so terrible. And I said, and then, then I turned on the TV and saw, uh, was it UC Berkeley or it's somewhere out there in the West and somewhere up in the Northeast. And I went, the times change, but people don't. There's a word for all this. and I want to remind you all how wonderful he is. But the word for all of this stuff is not political. It's godless. The word is godless. That is all that is. It's not, it isn't Blue Lives Matter and it isn't uh, 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 Occupy Wall Street. It's not, uh, it's none of that stuff. That's just the label. But the truth is, the root of all of it is godless. The reason that you and I don't do that is not because we're politically different or we uh, are in touch with our gender or our, it's because we've got the greater one in us and we're compelled to live above that sort of thing. We're not afraid. These people are afraid because they have no hope. They have no future. And so they're fighting and scratching and clawing. They're frustrated because it looks like their future is in danger. And I'm telling you, nothing that goes on out there has any significant power over you and me. We live above it. Jesus is Lord. Amen. So don't be fooled to think, oh my, I wonder if that comes here. We're to pray for the people around us, but we, we are living above that. Amen. In Colossians chapter 1, I ask you to turn to a scripture. We're going to lift up a Lord Jesus today that is more than enough, that takes care of us, and that rides out the storm with us. Praise God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 5 says, for the hope let me make sure I'm in the right place. Yep, Colossians 1, 1, 1, 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. That's not it. I, where did I go wrong? <laughs> well, let's just read a scripture then somewhere. Yeah, that'll be, that's good. <laughs> let's, read, let's, let's read last week's. You know, sometimes... That cut and paste is highly overrated, praise God. When you, it's verse 16 says, And he, let's go back, verse 12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us, the word there is rescued, who has rescued us from the power, the authority of darkness, and has translated us, has carried us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now it's talking about the Lord Jesus. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the visible, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created. That includes the devil that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and him and in him or by him all things consist. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus. That's more than enough. He got here first. He took care of us. He looked at us on the cross and said in on February 12th, 2017, there's a situation coming, and I'll take care of it right now. And then he opened up your life and said, on the 13th, there's a situation that's going to look, it's going to appear, and I'm going to take care of it right now. And there's a diagnosis coming, I'm going to take care of it now. And there's a situation of lack and shortage, and I'm going to take care of it now. And he took care of our lives in advance. I want to lift up the Lord, who's more than enough. I remember the story of the Lord uh, of, of Abraham having a promise from God saying that uh, I'm going to give you a son 
Look at the stars, look at the sand of the sea, and in those you'll see a picture of what I have in store for you. And then one day when Isaac was a, a young man, he said, uh, he heard from God, I want you to go to a certain place, three days journey, and sacrifice unto me. So he loaded up a, uh, uh, some servants and a mule or a donkey or whatever they had back then. And uh, the Bible says that when he was a day away, he saw the place that he was to go to. And he told his son, you carry the wood and I'll carry the fire. And uh, we will go yonder and worship the Lord. And, the, and, the, and Isaac said, uh, I see the fire, Lord. I, Father, I see the wood, but where is the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. I want to talk about Jehovah Jireh this morning, the God that provides. Literally, the Hebrew says the Lord who looks ahead. He's already looked ahead for you and me. He's already seen it, took and, taken care of it, and brought the answer back to this day. He's got it under control. But faith, like Eric was saying, faith is required to activate that into your life. And the Bible says that, uh, that uh, when he was going to, he, he tied Isaac to the altar. And uh, I've read several accounts that says he wasn't just, it says lad in there in the King James, but that he, he was a strapping, he was a strapping man. He was, <laughs> he could have whooped his daddy is what I'm saying. But he let his father time down. He raised the knife to take his life in obedience and the angel stopped him. And suddenly there was in the brush the sacrifice. It appeared. And so you got to take it. The lesson this morning, the message this morning the, is that you got to take it to the end in faith. We talked about last week about Ishmael, having an Ishmael in your pocket. The reason faith doesn't work for Christians is because they've always got a plan B. They've just, if when it doesn't work, it's like, why didn't it work? We blame the promises. We blame the Father, but it's because we had an Ishmael. We're like, did Abraham say, God, are you sure? Or, you know, let's talk about this. Or can we negotiate a hundred sheep for this? Or, you know, I'll try to do better or just a hundred things. But the promise was on the table and the promise was at stake. And God kept his word through Isaac. Amen. So uh, Luke chapter six, don't go there, but here's a verse that you might not have read lately. Listen to this. Just listen. Everybody just listen. Jesus, Lord Jesus said, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. And here it is. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Think about that. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus said of the Father that he is kind to the unthankful. Do you all know those people? And the evil. They're everywhere. He is kind to them. And here we are, blood-bought, born again, regenerated into the Lord Jesus' very image. And as he is, so are we. You think he's got a heart towards us? You think we move him with our troubles and, our, and, what, uh, and the challenges? You think we can't move his hand for us? When he is kind to the unthankful and the evil, he's in love with you. I said, the Lord is in love with you, and he's not neglectful. He's not slack concerning his promises. He's not just letting some stuff slide because he's busy or there's more pressing needs or people need it worse than you do or because you did a bad thing. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil, and he's in love with you and me. Jesus is Lord. There is no other life. They're not even good alternatives. They're not even good choices to be compared. So I want to remind you this morning that there is lack and shortage and need in this world. The Bible says that in Genesis, the curse came in because of the disobedience of our father, Adam, and that that curse plagued every man. And you may think because there's always been lack and shortage around you and that you've struggled and made it through or that you've been able to wrestle down the lack curse and, and somehow work harder or or put some pennies back, or get a deal down at Walmart and somehow get it through, that power, that cloud, that, that fog was still always there. 
If it's not terminal, Americans think that it's not big, it's not worthy if it's not terminal. We only respond as a, as a culture to things that the doctor says or the, uh, the divorce lawyer says or whatever says, this is terminal, you're going to die from this in some respect. And that, that's not our threshold. That's not our threshold to say, well, we live to, to be under the curse another day. Our threshold is free and free indeed. Our threshold is he came that I might have life like heaven has it and have it to the full. That is the threshold. And anything short or, 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 or not uh, to that mark is evidence that the curse is still working and that we have a level of work to say, I don't mean work, but of revelation and enlightenment to rise up. Terminal is not our threshold. A cold, a cough, a sore tooth, a, uh, an earlobe that feels itchy or whatever, that ought to be our threshold that says, I am intolerant of this, and I am not putting up with it. And I don't have enough to pay for my kids' lunch today. I am indignant. I am intolerant. I am, I am, I am not putting up with this. This is evidence of a lower way of living, and I've been assigned to the higher way. And that's who we are, and that's what we're going to have. Politicians promise change, and they never deliver. They attempt, they scratch and claw, and they come up with the end. They say, well, I did this good, though, and I did that good. Better to have tried than not tried at all. Uh, better to have tried and failed than not to try at all. But I'm telling you, that's not the pattern for Father. That's not the pattern for God and his promises. He delivers everyone, every time, in full strength. And the title of my message this, is, this morning is that, I put it on this sheet, The Promises, the Father's On Time and Abundant Supply. We've accused him of being late, you know, the Lord gets there, but it's not always on time, and that's a lie. It is never him. One of these verses in here, I put it on the back. It's, uh, it's on the back, Romans 3, 4, Let God be true, but every man a liar. Read it with me. Let God be true, but every man a liar. And so if you have to point to yourself with that verse and say, let God be true, but let Michael be a liar. When there's a controversy, a contradiction, when there's something that doesn't line up, let God be true. And let me adjust. Let me go back and say, where am I missing it? Because God is true. We've been too easy to say God's just not really spot on. And I'm here to tell you it's not the truth. He always delivers on time and in full strength. Amen. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning. That's more than enough. He has integrity. He, has, he is honest. And he said what he said he will do. Um, uh, we, we as Christians have been numbed down, dumbed down, if you would, to say that if we can get by, we can make it. Don't want to trouble God with trivial little things, petty little things, and it's wrong. I'm preaching real good this morning. I, I don't know if it'll get better or not, but it's, we're on it right now. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. I want you to go with me to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise God. We're going to get this train off the tracks. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All right, is anybody cold? All right, Miss Pam. We usually blame Joy, but he's out of reach this morning. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1.20, look what the Word says, what the Word of God. I want you to read it with me. I'm in the King James. Barry's got it up there, I think. Ready, read. For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God. Can you say all? all. Let's say it better. All. all. All the promises of God in Jesus, in Him, are yea and in Him, amen, which means so be it, to the glory of God by us. Let me just read this one to you, Second Peter 1, 4, in the New Living. Just to go for speed, it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and 
escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Listen, I've been meditating on envy, strife, covetousness, selfishness. And you know, I came to the conclusion that all of that is because there's lack and there's shortage. There's a pervasive thinking even in the church that there's not enough to go around and the early bird gets the worm. And we better hurry up and get out there and snatch up our worm before somebody else comes by because there's not enough worms to go around for all of us hungry birds. And it's just not true. We don't have to covet somebody else's stuff. We can go get our own. Just the right color and just the right, you know, if it's a car and just where the CD player ought to be or whatever. Get it just right. We don't have to covet. We don't have to be selfish. We don't have to be envious. And we don't have to be in strife about somebody that's got more than us, however they got it. There's plenty for you and me in him. I want to set the record straight this morning. God keeps his promises. And if the promises aren't evidenced in our lives, it's because we didn't take the promises for real. We didn't press him for the promise. Sometimes when a company does you wrong, they have a bad product and they won't warranty it or they won't make it good or whatever. You got to get in their face. You got to get on the phone and pretend that you're somebody that's going to hurt them if they don't do it. I don't pretend. <laughs> when they don't do right and they're doing the shimmy shuffle, I get on the phone, I adjust my turban just a little bit, and I light into them. I light into them and say, what is right is right, and I and you are going to do right. And you know they always do. Mr. Billings, we are so sorry, and we will ship one out today. We, matter of fact, I'm, I'm saying we shipped it out yesterday before you called. We're so, we're so willing, to, and they get on it. But then that means I got to do right. If you expect right, you got to do right. Point yourself with me and say, do right. do right. Amen. That's who we are. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Turn there with me, if you would, because we're talking about faith. We're talking about the promises that God is a promise keeper. I am here this morning, just like we've been for 20 years. Did you know we've been here 20 years this week? 20 years we've been in Tuscaloosa this week. And Barry, Paul, and Eric were here at the first service. They were. They were shining that day. It was, it was February 9th, 1997. And you look around and you go, what? We're not exactly in the paper today with a big celebration and a panoramic view of the, of the crowd. But it doesn't matter. We're here. We're here and we've got a voice and we've got a commission and we've got a conviction and, and we're not flinching. I said, I'm not flinching. You know, when you play chicken, you got to be a no flincher <laughs> and have good insurance. <laughs> Amen. And so that's who we are. So uh, what was I going to say? There, it was in there somewhere. Praise God. Abraham is our example. And it says in chapter 4 of Roman, oh, back to what we're going to do. We're doing this this morning. Is that we're, uh, have you ever seen those, uh, those, uh, uh, a, a, a semi on the side of the road and it's got a truck pulled up and the, the hood on the semi is, uh, on the tractor is up and some guy's under the hood and you, you know, you see his boots sticking up because he's down in it. And in front of that truck, you see this other truck, a smaller truck, and what, what is on that truck? Everything's on that truck. It's one of those trucks that they send out to fix whatever is out there. So it's got an air compressor. It's got a welder. It's got jacks to hold it up. It's got a big winch arm out there. It can do anything. In that truck is every tool and everything you need to fix anything on the road. Do you all know what I'm talking about? And our commission here at River Church is to make you into one of those trucks in the kingdom realm. You know, sometimes <laughs> if you send some people out to fix something in the kingdom, they roll up, and I hope nobody's in a little Volkswagen, but, you know, they roll up in a Volkswagen, and they don't have a screwdriver. <laughs> there is nothing there to fix anything because there's no tools in their toolbox. No tools in their toolbox. 
I tell you, the Lord's putting tools in our box. And you may say, what do we need this winch for? We've never winched anything yet with it. That day's coming. What do we need this air compressor for? What do we need a welder for? Because we're going to fix some stuff. And we're putting the tools in. We're building the truck right now. Every one of you, we're building the truck out. It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore it is of faith. So we're in the middle of a story. Therefore it's of faith that it might be by grace to the end. What's the end? The promise might be sure to all the seed, not to only that which is of the law, but to that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Well, that just means that it wasn't just the Jews in his day that got this, not just the tribes of Israel, that it's us too now in this day. And it is as it is written, here's God's promise to Abraham. This is the promise. He said, I have made thee a father of many nations. That was the promise that Abraham got. And he was way old, remember? Way old, he got the promise, I will make thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calls those, calleth those things which be not as though they were. So God said, I've got credentials. I can do it to an old man, an old woman. I can build a nation. Who against hope, talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, against natural expectation, he put on supernatural expectation. Point to yourself with me and say, put on supernatural expectation. Not based on the finances of this world, on the medical ability of this world, the devil put on supernatural expectation. That he might become the father of many nations, that he might become, that he, the old man, might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. He had no hope except in that which was spoken, and what was spoken, so shall thy seed be. That's what God said, so shall thy seed be. He said that when he was showing him the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. He said, that's how your sons and your daughters will look like. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. So point yourself with me and say, consider not. Consider. Amen. There's some stuff that's coming or has been, and you got to ignore that. You got to ignore that. When you're driving down the road, you got to ignore two mosquitoes. You can slap it one, but you got to ignore the other one because we got to put one hand on the wheel. And we're driving it. We cannot be distracted by everything that comes along. Not, and, and, not, and considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, here it is. This is it. What did he stagger not at? The promise of God. Well, he had to have a promise. And if you go up in the verse, we looked at it. So shall thy seed be. He had to take that and say, that's how it is. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Amen. That's a good verse. That's a good encouragement. Praise God. Faith is put in your life. Everybody got a measure of faith. You got, the, you got the stuff of faith put in you when you got born again. You got the God kind of faith put in, a faith that, can, that has the ability to believe God. And it was put inside of us to transact God's promises. It wasn't for the newest Cadillac. It wasn't for a trip overseas to be on the Fiji Islands. You can use your faith down the road, but right now we're transacting God's promises. We're, we're taking... Uh, so to speak, the engine of faith and putting the word of God in like you'd put gasoline in a car. And we're taking that word and, and putting it in this morning, right now. Whenever you read the word, hear the word, it's gasoline into your engine. And then you start that thing and says, we're going somewhere on this fuel, on this. We're going we're gonna to transfer or, or transact that gasoline into power. We're going to transact the word of God into moving mountains. We're going to take the promises of God and move our lives. That's what you're doing. 
It's not just it's not just sitting here saying, well, God, did you notice I was in church? Please, please check me off. I was there. Matters none. Praise God. So we're we're here to, to uh, transact uh, God's promises to live above the curse and to have days of heaven on the earth. It's impossible to have heaven on earth unless you transact the promises. Heaven doesn't have any devil, but we've been given a power and authority over the devil. Heaven doesn't have any sickness or disease or pain, but we've been given authority over sickness and disease and pain. There's no lack in heaven, but we've been given abundance through the Lord Jesus. We have everything heaven has except the devil. We still have the devil. In heaven, you'll have no devil. So you've got to use your faith. You've got to use your authority over the devil. And here's the statement I want to make this morning. This is what Dr. Cole said for years, and I, I, it's stayed with me. Truth and reality are synonymous. And here's how you break it down. If your reality is not based on truth, then it's subject to change. We have to live lives that are based on truth. Nobody wants a hypocrite around. Nobody wants some faith healer, so to speak, that they say that's on TV, that, that they say is staged or fixed or anything. They're not. They're real. But the world can't handle it because they can't prove it. But we can't stand hypocrisy. If your truth is not based on your reality, then, then it's going to fail you. It's going to disappoint you. We have to get truth and reality together. You can't just say, I believe the promises for healing or for finances or for, for deliverance and not have that working in your life. You can't say that the devils, that I've got devils, I need, uh, or I've got sickness or I've got uh, uh, lack and say, I'm living the truth. A little better amen. We have to change until it's the same, until truth and reality are synonymous. Amen. So without activating the promises, listen, listen. If you don't activate the promises while you're on earth, then you are just like, you're not, but you're just like a sinner that gets to go to heaven. Sinners have no hope of activating the promises on earth, do they? They, they don't have faith to, to live a better life. And they're not going to heaven. But if we say, but I'm going to heaven, and we don't transact the promises with our faith, then we live the life of a sinner on earth. The only difference is, is we get to go to heaven when it's over. That's good, but it's not good enough. Lots and lots of people say it's good enough. But I say it's not good enough. To have the devil beat your head in every day but say, I'm going to heaven, it's worth it. We ought to take everything that's on the plate. We ate out yesterday, and she came up, as they always do, and say, y'all got room for dessert? Sure I do. <laughs> I didn't, and I, and I don't, but I'm just saying, it's like, if this was the promises of God, I'd take everything they offered. I couldn't quite get my theology to work with my, my, uh, my, my diet and all that sort of stuff. In Romans chapter 1, would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 1, you're just a little ways off there. Listen to this. Here's the, here's the truth as I see it. No one is following you because you're going to go to heaven. Nobody says, listen, I want to be like them because they're going to heaven. People are not that interested in heaven right now. You know why? There's so many troubles, so much pain, so much fear out there. Heaven's tomorrow's problem. Heaven is an old man's problem, an old woman's problem. Because we're not going to die early. We're all going to just wait until we're just ancient of days. We're going to outlive everybody in our family. And then we're going to say, you know, it's time for me to think about heaven. Nobody's thinking about heaven right now. But... What they are going to follow you and I on is how we live our life in victory right now.
If they got problems just like you got challenges and you're not challenged by your challenges, you get the victory, they're interested. How do you do that? How is that working in your life? So don't think that you've got a great witness just because you're a Christian that's going to heaven. It's not, it's not flying. Now, it is good to have the confidence that you know where you're going to go and you have that thing nailed down, and that's right and good, and there, there is a fear in them that, that it's unsettled, especially especially uh, when something happens in their family. My step-grandfather was a, was a powerful smoker, but when his little, little older than him brother, who was a powerful smoker, when he died of lung cancer, my grandfather laid them down that morning at the funeral, and he never picked up one again. So you can, you can be moved in your stuff on earth, but it takes something powerful to do it. You are powerful. Your testimony is powerful, not that I'm going to heaven. Because they just think that you think you're good or better than them. They don't think it's righteousness. They just think that you think you're awful good because you go to church and because you have a Bible and because of those things. That's how they think. In Romans chapter 1, look in verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, Let's say it with me. The just shall live by faith. You and I are going to heaven because we've been justified. The Bible says you ought to live by faith. If you're going to heaven because of Jesus, you ought to live by faith down here. It's not enough, the Bible says, just to say, I got you a ticket. And someday you're going to get to turn this ticket in. You're going to need it when, you, when they put you six foot in. He said, no, you're supposed to live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's real important. Romans 10, 11 says, whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Point yourself with me and say, don't be ashamed. Prosper because it's the gospel. It's what faith does. Don't be ashamed of prospering. I've known lots of Christians that are ashamed of prospering. You'd think it would be hard enough to get your bills paid without having to work against your own self. You'd think you'd put both, uh, 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 you'd put both feet on the ground and pedal <laughs> if you could. And we need to not be ashamed of the gospel of prosperity that God supplies all my needs. A lot of pride in people. A lot of pride. I don't need nobody to help me. I don't need any charity from God or anybody else. I'm a self-made man, and I'll do it on my own. Pride, pride, pride. You can't do squat. When real devils come, when real situations come, when the curse of lack and need really shows up, you're not in America under a protection and a false canopy of, of, uh, of affluence, when you're just out there and you're buck naked with the, with the sense of lack and need and shortage, you won't have so much pride. A lot of pride is just based on culture, on inheritance, on just genealogy, that sort of thing. has nothing to do with what God's done for you and I. we got to put on the Lord Jesus. Amen. It says in 2 Timothy 1.12, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, Remember singing that in the Baptist church? <laughs> and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. The key here is I'm not ashamed. Part of what we have to do to put on this prosperity, to believe the promises, is to strip off shame. You and I are supposed to prosper. We're supposed to drive right. We're supposed to live right. We're supposed to be generous. Listen, it, here's the truth. If you're working all your life to make your money work, you don't have time for the kingdom. It grieves me what people are having to do to make their lives come together financially, and then there's nothing left over for God. That's just me. That's just the pastor. It's just the, it's like, really? Really? We have to spend all of it making a living, we don't have anything left over to go and do, and to, there's nothing left, and if it is, it's just like, okay, I'm, 
I pulled a little hole apart, and I've got a little place where I can throw something through for God. But as soon as this is over, I've got to get back and hit it. It's not kingdom. It's not faith. It's not the promises. Because it's not terminal, we do it. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.18, please. Hallelujah. I consider it such a privilege to be able to speak the truth in this place. I don't know if y'all go home and grumble about it or, you know, uh, but, but in this place, y'all are so nice. You are so hospitable. You just smile, and when I say, let's say this, you say it, and when I say, let's say amen, you say amen. I don't know what you do on the way home, but you're perfect when you're here. Hallelujah. And the truth does scrub your hide. The truth does scrub our hides because the self-righteousness that we all fight wants to say, I have a certain amount of arrival. I have a certain amount of prestige here. I am a certain amount, you know, doing right. And when the truth comes up and scrubs us, there's nothing much left. we got to almost start over. And we have to have that. Praise God. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, I love this. While we look not, we take aim not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. What does that mean? Temporary. Fleeting. Passing away. But the things which are seen are eternal. The word there is perpetual. They never change. Truth never changes. It's not cultural. Right now there's a fight in our nation about the Supreme Court justice that will be picked and whether he's going to be a part of the side that says that the Constitution is living and it adapts to the culture and the times we're living in and the mores and standards of the, of the Constitution need to loosen up and, and let people do what they need to do versus the strict interpretations that says it was what it, it is what it was. And it's, it, it never changes. That's the fight. That's why our court is divided is because we have these two standards. And it's the same thing in church. You got those that say that, you know, gay marriage and being all those things that are compromising that we understand. That is the issue. God needs to lighten up and let a culture that has evolved and grown up and got out of the dark ages, he needs to get along with what we have. And I'm telling you, God's not uh, looking to us as gods. We're looking to him as God. And he is the boss. Here's my last scripture. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 37. I'm making a case for the promises to give you a supply, to be your supply, that you don't have to work day and night. You just have to Activate the promises. Psalm 130, excuse me, Psalm 37, 25. Here's what the Bible says about itself. And that's what I believe. Thirty-seven twenty-five says. Let's read it together. Ready, read. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The Bible says that over a season of time, from youth to being old, that the observation is that men and women that activate the promises, it says that the righteous the righteous have not been forsaken. God comes through. I shared this testimony with you before, but I'm just going to put it in this morning. Uh, you just can't have an Ishmael in your back pocket and activate faith. You have to get to the point, and most people, that means that there are no other options. A lot of times, this is when, uh, in, a, in a financial situation, there is no other options, no one to borrow from, no one to, nothing left to sell, nothing left to, they're just at the end of the rope, and then they call on God. And then they say, well, God waited till the last minute to come through for me. 
when in fact they waited till the last minute to activate the promises. For me and Debbie, there's been many things through our lives, and I hate to have to go back so far, but it is so profound. When we were just starting out, that we were farmers, and that we had, uh, we were not, we were not prospering, but we were on our way, and we were trying, and we were activating the promises. And one day, just a conviction fell on me uh, to uh, to change the way I worked. When you're farming at certain seasons, it's very seasonal. Uh, it's seven days a week. And we were going to church, but I would, uh, in the summer, water. We irrigated. And that meant that um, you, you changed water in six-hour sets. So at six in the morning, you, you moved, you moved your, your irrigation line up and switched out of this one that had run from midnight. You switched into that. And then when this one dried enough, then you moved it up and came back out at noon. And then you came out at six in the evening, and you switched it again. And then you came out at midnight. And so it was quite a rigor. And uh, one day I just said, I'm not going to water on Sunday. Because, you know, invariably, I had a Sunday school class I was teaching. You know, that, that, that I had a big Ford uh, 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 490 on one well. And that booger was hard to start. But I knew how to start it. But on Sunday... You know how it goes. The battery had fell off the stand and the water. Had, you know, everything happened on Sunday. And one day I just said, I'm going to cut off the devil. And I just went out there at 6 in the morning and shut the water off. And I didn't go back out till Monday morning. And that was a big step for us. And I tell you, I had kinfolks that were again it. <laughs> they were again it. You crazy, you crazy fool. It's just, it was just so unconventional. It's just everything was, and then we got into a year, you know, my bullworm story, but it's so true. We were tithers, pretty new tithers, hadn't been tithing very long, very many years. Farmers, it's kind of hard to farm, hard to tithe because you never really know how much you make. You're always pouring it back in, but we figured it out. And then the bullworms hit that fall. We had a good crop. It was our year to finally pay out, and bullworms hit. It's a it's a little inch and a half worm that gets into the cotton bowl when it's still uh, before the fibers are formed. It bores into the side of it. It goes in there and nests, destroys the fiber, and, uh, and then it crawls out and goes to another one. And it lays its eggs in that, and then they, they take over. And everybody was having bowl worms. It was universal. Everybody was spraying because that's the only way to kill them, and we had no money. And so people were going into the bank and saying, would you loan me money? Well, you're out. And if I loan you money, you, you, won't be, you won't make any money. Yeah, but if I, you don't loan me money, I'll lose even more. And it was a hard thing. And Debbie and I took a bottle of oil, just uh, I think it was Pompeii oil in the bottle that you see in the grocery store. We were desperate. We didn't know what to do. No money and, no, and, and lots of worms. And we went out to a corner of every one corner of our farm. And we told God... Exactly. We went to the promises. We went to Malachi because it was an exact promise that worked for us at that time. And, and it says, uh, uh, as tithers, it says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Wow, that spoke to us. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. So we poured a little oil on every corner. That's not in the Bible. You know, thou shalt... You, but we released our faith, and we called on God at every corner and say, God, we, we sanctify this, and we deliver it to you, and now we rebuke the devourer. And my story is, we made the best crop we'd ever made. Made a bale and two-thirds that year on, that, on those farms. We'd never made a bale and two-thirds per acre, and we didn't spray. It changed our lives. You can talk about that, you know that junk mess and how that doesn't work and all that. But once you've had a testimony in your life of being raised up, once we took Colin to the doctor that with a broke arm and they x-rayed it and said, yeah, there it is. We've got it documented. And then we prayed. And then he went back on Monday and there was no break. You're a believer. You just can't be changed back. And so the promises or have been our life. I can only tell you in a long book the times that we've had to financially just cast our care upon the Lord. 
telling him, this is your thing. You called us. We didn't call us. I don't even care that much for it in the natural. I'm, I'm here because you sent me here. And that's the big end of it. But I believe your promises and we invoked them. And I'm telling you, we've had supply when there was no supply. We've had supply when everybody around us had no supply. We've had people send us $9,000 checks that just said, bless, blessings. <laughs> it's like, really? Kind of like $100 you pass to someone and say, just want to bless you. A $9,000 check came in the mail. Somebody just said, hey. <laughs> it's like, really? $9,000? And over and over and over, the tither is secured. And we just, but we gave in every offering. We've asked y'all for years, given every offering. We did that because that's what God had us do, and it just always paid. But you got to have no Ishmael. You can't have a little something on the side that says, I got money over here, and I'm wanting God to do it over here so I can do it and keep my money too. You got you to be all in. You got to say, God, I'll, all my money is your money. We'll take the savings and we'll put it all in there. It doesn't matter, but we're going to pay this bill. And sometimes he had us put the money that was put back, and that, that, which wasn't that often that we had money put back. But then sometimes he sent it in another way. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God will pay your bills and more. We have a little uh, thing that I looked up that we did in 2008 that talks about how God supplies. And one of the ways he does in better jobs. Remember that? Well, God, I need Uncle Jack to, you know, think of me. Well, Uncle Jack's going to do. You know he's done. Promotions, raises, and bonuses. Incomes and interest. Sales, commissions, and tips. Favorable settlements. Amen. Estates and inheritances. Rebates and returns. Here's our favorite. Checks in the mail. Get open. Get open. That there's a supply coming to you, tithers. A supply is finding its way to me. And it's not my job, necessarily. Um, gifts and surprises, suddenlies, money, miracles, angelic deliveries. Here's another one we love. Debts paid off. <laughs> it was 84000 83 and something thousand dollars. Seemed like a lot of money at the time. And uh, so I was asking him about it. He said, ah, I'll take care of that. Just out of the blue. Had never done anything to speak of. Had never, you know, just, just did it. I'm here to, you say, well, you got this and that. I'm telling you, I've, I've been a long time with this and that when this and that didn't do anything. Y'all have some this and that around that could but hasn't? I'm telling you, I've had a lot of that. And we just believed God without that, without looking to it, without whining around them and saying, you know, it's kind of just saying God is our source. Not every time. I have whined a little bit before, back in the day, to be honest, you know, just to say, well, you know. But that didn't do any good. It didn't change anything. And uh, God sent it another way. Bills decreased, paid off, and disappearing, blessings and increase. Now, if you've got your little blue sheet there, I'm going to surmise, this is just a speculation, that it could be that some of you have never had a promise financially that we could just take you out of the foyer coming in and say, what is your promise financially? What is it that you're standing on for increase financially in your life? And some of you might. I don't know who would, but just saying, uh, well, I could use this, and I could use that, and, you know, I know the Bible says, and I know God wants, but not have a promise that says, this thing is right next to my heart. It beats when my heart beats. When I breathe in, this promise is exhaling and inhaling. And I'm going to say this morning, the Lord told me, There's a financial miracle for you today. We're going to activate a financial miracle. Now, I don't do this stuff. I don't activate the financial miracles in my ministry. But that's what he said to do.
And so we're going to activate the promise. Does anybody in here need a financial promise activated? Something needs to happen in your money. And you know now that God says, I'm good for my promises. This time, every time, all the time, I'm good for it. Got any tithers in the room? Don't raise your hand, but we got some tithers in the room. Already bought in, but maybe not activating the promises. Did you know that you could tithe and not activate the promise? <laughs> We've been tithing so long, it's just like... It's just like putting the gas in the car. You just do it or you're not going anywhere. So I want you to look over this sheet and I want you to find the promise that just speaks to you right now, not, not later. We're going we're gonna to activate it this morning. What promise in here? There's much more, but I just wrote these in here. What promise speaks to you? You could say, my money could go to the end based on this one promise. I could so ride this thing that I'll have fullness and affluence, abundance, overflow on this one promise. When you get it, and I'd like for everybody to get it, I'd like for you to stand up and say, God's promise to me is, and then read the promise. And then after that say, I'm activating the promise in my life. Do we have anybody to help me start? while the rest of y'all scramble. <laughs> All right, Pamela, say, I'm activating the promise, and then, and then read the promise. Amen. Amen. All right. Check that off. Eric, there you go. There you go. That's a promise. Now, don't just do that for this morning, because nobody just needs to prosper on February 12th. There's a March 12th and a November 12th, and we need every day to be bringing us the promises. Who's next? Please, please help me. She activated the promise. Okay, read the first part of that, Matthew 6. That's it. Okay, Jacob has activated the promise that all these things, and if you read in verse 32, you'll see that the things is clothing, food, and shelter. In any degree you want. <laughs> Who's next? There she did. She activated the promise. Okay. You ready? I'm activating Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase, and so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The Lord put my heart... Well, it was kind of funny because I was just kind of joking with him. I'm always telling him he'd have to hire five people to replace me and things like that. And so one day I was joking with him, and I said, I didn't make enough last year. And, uh, and I was just joking, but then it was like the Lord said, you need to believe me for a raise. So I've been believing God for a raise in 2017, and I was just quickened this morning that all of y'all need to believe him for a raise. Absolutely. Thank you. Melissa. I'm activating Psalms 112, 1-3 in this house, and His righteousness endures That's a great promise. That's a great promise. That's got lots of meat on those bones. Praise God. Who's activating with me this morning? Alicia, you got one? That's a good one. Amen. All right. You ought to start young. You ought to prosper young. You know, if you're not young anymore, you can just start here. But if you're young, <laughs> land ho. Eric's been immersed in this. We got into this right before he was born or right at. He, he has not had a day of something outside of this. What an opportunity. And then, of course, Matthew and, and, uh, and Andrew are the same thing. Who else? Mr. Ms. Nodine, y'all got a promise you want to activate with us this morning? Activate it. It's your you, you read it. Activate I that said for this you. For a long time. Yes, sir. Activate it. In Psalms one twelve one through three, it says, "Praise you, the Lord. Blessed is the man that activate that in my life." Amen. I, do y'all feel these promises going to work right now? It's like okay, they came out of the blocks. Miss Kathleen. I activate. Amen. So we don't have to go down to the Rose Administration every day to to have our income. We got we got it from everywhere. Who else? 
Who am I waiting on? Barry Paul? Amen. I feel that being activated right now. Who else is not activated? Anybody else? All right. Amen. Amen. The sisters have been in this walk a long, long time too. We little lasses back then. So they've been immersed. Have we got everybody? Okay. Now, I activate the hundredfold promise in your life now in Jesus' name. I declare on February 12, 2017, that heaven and earth will cooperate with you and bring all of the ingredients and resources necessary for your promise, God's word to you, to come together to coalesce and become your prosperity in Jesus' name. And I demand and command a financial miracle to manifest, to appear, to become reality in your life in the short time now in Jesus' name. I command it and I release it. Amen. So we agree. Money cometh. <laughs> Increase cometh. Debts are forgiven, kicked out the door. We are released. Whatever has to happen. Now here's the key. When the promise is activated, the how becomes God's business. He's got billions times billions angels, and this is what they do. They take care or they put together the promises. Well, how could that be? <laughs> Can you imagine what had to happen? Well, I won't even go there. But uh, things that you can't even figure and you don't know are about to come together in a way that they never could and never should, but now must because the promises of God have been activated. Now, I would take the word that you said this morning under short notice, and maybe that was not your promise that you'd always walked around with, but I would get me a promise, and I would meditate it. I would meditate it every day. I would take it apart and just say, uh, let God be true. And I would just spend all day saying, let God be true. God, you are true. Your word is true. The promise is true. And then I'd, the next day I'd get up and I'd say, but let every man be a liar. My boss says I'm at the top and I can't go further. My boss says this and my, my, my family says that. Let every man be a liar. God's word is true. And I would put that word in like you would put an engine in a car. You don't just necessarily just throw it in. You have to put it in and hook it up. And I would hook these promises up. There's more, but I just, I got, when I ran out of room, I quit. And put these promises in. The promises will work for you. Amen. We're on our way. Now next week, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to take another aspect of the kingdom. Either protection or healing or, or the prophetic word. Did you know that three and four thousand years ago, the prophets of old spoke of things that are happening right now in this day? And God promised it and said that's how it would happen. We don't have to have any fear about our president or about our government because it's already been laid out and it's all good for you and I. That's where the amen goes. Amen. Praise God. Yes. We're going to pray for Mama. Is there anything in particular? Or just, just pray for her. Okay. Now, her mother is Lori McDaniel, and she's been here many times. We know Miss Lori. And how's your little sister? How's she doing? Okay. Okay. Can we agree about this? Now, when I say agree... Say what? Yeah. We're going to transact here. We're not just going to send like you would well, like you'd mail a letter. We're going to transact business here. Praise God. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for coming this morning, Miss Alicia, so we could pray for her. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to just uh, remind you all that the vision of 2017, one of them is, is that we are using our authority in Christ to affect our nation, state, and country for peace, righteousness, and safety as we pray out and decree by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Wednesday, we're having a Valentine.